You're about to listen to Season 3, Episode 23 of the Meet Mediocrity Podcast. My guest today is Danielle North, the founder of PauseGlobal.com, the author of the book called Pause, and the inventor of a pause methodology that helps you pause take a breath, and figure out how to get the most out of yourself. Sounds simple, but it's not. Ready to hear more? Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome. Meet Mediocrity Podcast, Season 3, Episode 23. You're going to like my guest today a lot. Her name is Danielle North. She's based in England, and she has she's an author. She has a website where she provides coaching and retreats and online group sessions on how to get the most out of yourself by pausing, by taking a moment to reflect, to understand yourself, to become more calm, to think more clearly, and to get the most out of yourself. I was doing some research online for guests, and I was interested in this pause method because it seems so simple. I wanted to see whether there was some substance there, and it appeared that there was. Um, I read through Danielle's website. I read or at least breezed through her book called Pause. I watched some videos about Danielle, and I said, you know... First of all, she appears to be an incredibly likable person and relatable. Second of all, this makes sense, but is there substance there? So I wasn't sure, but I reached out to Danielle, and she immediately responded that she would be happy to be considered to be on the Meet Mediocrity podcast. So I scheduled the conversation with her. We got on Zoom, and we started talking, and... I realized very quickly there was a lot more substance to the pause method than simply taking a break and taking a breath. And Danielle said she would actually walk me through in some detail the five steps of her program. She would talk me through um, the services she provides, the, you know, the book she the, the book she's written, the coaching she provides, the retreats she organizes, the online training that she provides the types of people she provides it to. Um, so we decided, so I decided to record a podcast with Danielle. And the thing that I learned during the podcast was that Danielle actually had some undiagnosed mental health issues of her own, that she had um, what she describes as a dysfunctional childhood. In fact, um, it reminded me a little bit of the book Educated by Tara Westover, maybe not quite that extreme, but certainly similar. And it was her ability to understand her weaknesses, if you want to call them weaknesses, um, but the challenges that she faced, able to get her arms around those 
and then able to turn them into a process that could benefit others that became an incredibly fascinating story. Now, I realize I've stolen some of Danielle's thunder, but she tells it a lot better than I do, and she tells it in a lot more detail than I do, and it's going to be a great listen. So um, let's, without further delay, welcome our guest, Danielle North. So Danielle, thanks for being with me today. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I think I'm probably more excited than you are. I um, have a few podcasts during the course of this spring and summer that have focused on on mental mental health and mental wellness. And I randomly noticed that every time I made a post on LinkedIn about a mental health or mental wellness podcast, Daniel North liked it. <laughs> so I said, who is this woman? And next thing you know, it was a, from a simple click on your LinkedIn profile to going to your website, to, to reading your book, to watching videos about you. And I'm like, I'm meeting a virtual celebrity here. I'm hoping she'll join my podcast and you're here. So I am more excited than you are. Oh, it's really great to be here. So, um, Let's start. Let's start at the at today, and then we'll work. Out, we'll we'll go deeper from there. So the pause method. What's it all about? So the pause is designed for um, busy busy people, which uh, I think today is probably everybody. Um, and uh, it's got five different steps. So uh, we break it down into being able to slow down, which is all about giving yourself permission to stop. Um, being able to understand yourself more deeply is the second step. So kind of getting to know who you are and developing that uh, increased self-awareness, which I think a lot of people are already doing with the pause method. We take that deeper. And then the third step is all about how do you cultivate calm inside of yourself? So how do you find a peaceful place inside of yourself from which you deal with the everyday stresses and, and um, excitements that life likes to bring. The fourth step is about enhancing energy. And this is about, um, on a basic level, it's about how to enhance your energy naturally. So, you know, how do you do that without stimulants like caffeine? On a bigger level, it's about how do you enhance your energy by plugging in to the greater forces and the, the greater energy that is around us. So that's uh, the, the fourth step. And then the fifth step's all about rhythm. So how do you create uh, a regular rhythm in your life? And why does that matter? Why is that important? So how do you develop particular rituals for yourself and um, support yourself through rhythm? Whereas I think a lot of uh, our experience in everyday life is quite chaotic. Rhythm brings this uh, different quality to our experience of life. So you have this these five steps or five yes. five attributes and that is pause. Now, Danielle, when I looked at your website, I noticed that a lot of this is transmitted or taught to people through retreats. That's so, right. and I also, and I also know you have a book, or actually, you have more than one book. Um, but tell me a little bit about, you know, how do you? I'd like to dive into these a little bit deeper. But before mm -hmm. we dive into them a little deeper, tell me a little bit about. How how are you bringing the pause to your clients and customers? 
Yeah, great question. So um, one way is through coaching. So I've been working as an executive coach for a long time. So that method is sort of infused into the way that I work with people on a one, one-to-one basis. And the, the main way that we do it is through um, a series of different uh, retreat experiences, either individual leadership um, retreats where leaders will go uh, away from their team with a with a peer group of other leaders to have some time away to, to pause, or it's with their team. So it can be that the retreats are with their team in a, uh, in a team setting. So those are a couple of ways. Um, last year changed that a little bit. So we also now uh, deliver pause online and have some different programs, which actually enabled us to take pause beyond leaders, beyond their immediate teams and across at scale uh, throughout the organization. So that's been an interesting um, development for us in the last year. So yeah, I can talk more about those those different uh, approaches. Yeah, it's funny you should mention the online and you mentioned immediately mm. the pros and the cons, right? The pros yeah. are that you have further reach, the cons yeah. are that it's not in person. <laughs> yes, yeah. And and we thought really hard, Mitch, about that. You know, do we take pause online? Because uh, I've been running, specifically running retreats for 10 years. And, you know, we've got this very sacred space that we create when we're in person with people. And it's very deliberately um, designed. The locations are very specifically chosen. And there's a, a container that we create for the retreats that's um, very particular to pause. Um, we, we do that because we believe that's how the work happens. Once you've created this container in this space, like it, it holds the work that needs to occur. So that's really important to us. So I was curious and, and we talked as a team about, well, do we take pause online and and even to the point where we've had to ask ourselves do we have a presence of pause on social media <laughs> you know is that something that we you know want to have a social media presence or are we completely off grid ourselves um, and that was a debate we were having before world events took over and then at that point we had to kind of uh, make a decision and to be a retreats business that can't run retreats <laughs> makes that decision so there's a bit actually. of a survival a survival decision here <laughs> there was <laughs> yeah definitely and from that, actually, what we discovered was the, as you say, the benefit of reach. But what we did was we were very mindful and choiceful about what went online and what didn't go online. And so we preserved some of the, the very sacred aspects of our work to keep it uh, in person. And uh, and then we took some of the very practical aspects of our work and put that online. So, yeah, it's actually been an amazing learning experience for us. Well, I, what I what I'm interested, what was interesting to me in what you just said is mm. how your how um, thoughtful you are around your site location and the um, the fact that the space um, and the container, as you called it, can actually enhance the experience. And yes. you know, many uh, you know, look, I, I, I meet mediocrity has all kinds of listeners. Mm. But I, for one, have been to quite a number of retreats, and mm-hmm. I want to attest to the fact that the location of the retreat makes an enormous impact on the mm-hmm. experience. And there's, you know, a special location with a special vibe really not only sets the tone, but it burns the memory. 
it, it really burns the memory and it makes it something that you can recall more easily as a participant. And so the fact that you take the time to think about that to me is gives is gives me a little bit of insight into you and your approach because the mm -hmm. fact that you're thinking about that to me is incredibly important. It's more than thinking about it. I can't work any other way. Like this is a principle for me um, that for me to do the transformational work that I'm here to do, I have to have that space. Um, so, you know, we can go to a hotel with a team for half a day or a day and we can run a particular event and it's going to be, you know, interesting if you want to go and do deep transformation, then we need to go off and be in, you know, by a lake, in a woodland, you know, using nature as the additional facilitation tool to help create the transformation. Because you know, when you infuse a space like that with a deep intention for transformation and you let nature kind of participate in that experience, then all sorts of you know, mind-blowing things happen. I completely agree. So you, you've now, you've now, we, you and I have now orally, verbally set the stage. Yeah. Um, I'd like to dive a little deeper into those five, five steps or five areas, yeah, sure. um, because they all make perfect logical sense. Mm. But I'd like to dive a little deeper into what you mean by them, because you know, simply saying slow down or simply saying being mindful or simply saying you know, have a, a useful self, um, self-serving routine, all valid, but can we dive a little bit deeper and have you explain, you know, you, at least some of the key attributes that that'll bring this to life even further. Yeah, absolutely. So that first step, the, the, the slowing down and giving yourself permission to stop, um, it is based on being able to make a shift in your central nervous system. So when you're somebody who is on the go all of the time and you know you're you're up early and you're you know you know just fulfilling your demands of the day and then you go home in the evening and that continues, the central nervous system is activated into um, the sympathetic nervous system. So it, it's in what we would describe as the fight and flight mode. And so permission to pause is about being able to, uh, using different pause practices, shift the nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system. So it is more than just stopping. It's more than just having a break. It is the a biological ability for you to stop the flood of cortisol into your body and be able to expand your capacity for the rest of the day. And so the practices that we teach are designed deliberately to flick that switch. And so that makes perfect sense to me because cortisol is, you know, will, will, will not allow you to think or act as clearly as you could do. And so great. So I'm with you on step one. So step yes. one is you will teach and, and provide tricks and techniques on how to not just give you permission to slow down, but to slow down. Absolutely. To put your body into a biological state of calm that allows you to function even better. You're making you're making the receptacle more ready to receive. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And to respond. <laughs> Perfect. So now we get into the second step was to more deeply understand yourself. So tell yeah. me, tell me what you meant by that. 
So I think a lot of people and, and a lot of leaders have had some great support over the last you know, couple of decades in learning more about themselves. You know, there's been incredible books that have uh, been available to people. Emotional intelligence has you know, been much, much uh, more widely talked about and understood. In pause, we want to go deeper than that. We want to understand you at a, a fundamental level, not based on what you've read, but based on what you discover about yourself for yourself. And so it's an active inquiry into being able to learn more about who you are. So um, rather than it being something that you read in a book and you thought, oh, yeah, that's probably... That's that sounds like me. me. Yeah, absolutely. This is a, an inquiry into all... Who are you really? And and um, um you know, what is what is your makeup as a person? We had a lovely chat at the beginning uh, about you know who you are naturally as a leader and who you are naturally as a person and how that uh, contributes to what you do. And that's really what we're looking for in the understand you piece is is helping people to really get to grips with this is who I am beyond any um you know, assessments or kind of, you know, uh, other tools that they might have used, psychological metrics and that sort of thing. It's like actually at the deepest level, who are you? And that's a foundation that allows people to have a, a depth of confidence and um, a depth of assurity in themselves in the path. So interesting, because I've mm. done my fair share of uh, psychological tests in mm. my professional career. Um, I've had therapists over the years that I've had communications with, and I've I found I find it interesting because the psychological tests look. I, I tend to be personally and a very introspective person, so when I get the results of my psychological test, I'm like, "Yep, that's me." Mm. Um, and I usually need, you know talk therapy to understand it deeper, right? Mm -hmm. I have also been in situations where psychological test results have come back to other leaders in my working groups. Mm -hmm. and they're like, this isn't me. What are they talking about? This is mm -hmm. wrong. I must yeah. have been in a bad mood when I filled out the, the, the test. Yeah. How do you deal with the wide array of people you deal with, some of whom completely understand themselves and want to go even deeper, and some yeah. who may not have that kind of self-reflection? <laughs> self yeah, well, it's a great question um, because I do meet a whole range of different people and have done over the last 25 years. It's the beauty of the work and I love that. And and actually the, the philosophy that I got taught that I just hold this principle very dearly is you meet the person where they are. And so it's as simple as that. Um, if you can meet the person where they are and you're not trying to get them anywhere, you're not trying to change them, you're simply being interested in who they are and helping them be interested in who they are, then they start to develop this deeper understanding of themselves. I love that because mm. it's interesting. I um, have done quite a bit of sales training in my life, you know, helping people, um, helping people sell. And I always tell them, if you're going to sell something, you need to meet, meet the potential customer or buyer where they're at. And we're doing the same thing here. So I completely can relate to that. 
And I often talk to my team, Mitch, that coaching is like selling and selling is like coaching. (laughs) Just slightly different end results. Well, and and the reason that is, is because people are buying from people when it comes to selling. Um, You know, even, even if you're talking about a consumer product on a shelf, those designers, those um, marketers are looking, how do we make this bottle of something on a shelf connect with a human being on a human level? Yeah. So in fact, they really are one and the same. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about number three, which was um, something about cultivating calm inside. Cultivating of- calm. Yeah. yeah. So this is the inner peace um, within you. So um Often what we're doing with cultivating calm is kind of clearing out all of the any residue noise that might be left behind. So as you get to understand yourself more, you've given yourself permission to pause. You've let go of some of those self-limiting um, beliefs, some of the self-doubt. You've got stronger in who you are. Then you can start to cultivate this lovely foundation from silence where you can begin to... Um, listen to what's happening in the world around you and from a place of calm you can actually start to just respond to life rather than need to kind of drive life or control life um so it's a it's a very um uh receptive place when you can create calm it's almost like you can then well you used a phrase earlier that I thought was lovely you can be in what we would describe as natural flow from that place of calm so what so what you just did I think is is you just gave a beautiful explanation of the purpose of things like meditation and things like mindfulness Mm. because the way I heard what I heard you say is you didn't use the word meditation once you didn't um you didn't use the the term self talk once you really you really just said calm and awareness and it sounds to me like what you're doing is um i'm i'm going through these steps because this is something that we can all learn from slow down stop pause understand who you are and then make yourself ready to receive a more positive approach, a more positive energy, a more positive something, right? Or or just life in general, um, whatever it's going to present. A more positive experience in life. Yes. (laughs) Oh God. I I like, I really like you. We need to, I'm, if you knew what I was thinking in terms of like, I totally relate to this, Danielle. I, I'm with you. This is great. So now we're calm. Now we are ready to experience a better life experience. Then you talked about something like um, uh, enhancing um, your energy. Energy. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yeah. that. Well, most people um, are without really knowing it, operating on a, a lower energy capacity than is is actually necessary. So um, our energy levels are often, we're often pushing through 
our day-to-day experience um maybe with you know having uh caffeine like from a you know a morning espresso or an afternoon diet coke or something like that you know yeah. something that's kind of pushing you through chocolate's mine you know it gives, <laughs> gives me that little extra you know a bit of push in the afternoon and so we're reaching for these external stimulants to give us a little boost of energy which then has a knock-on effect on how we sleep the quality of our sleep uh, our, our focus it actually can have a detrimental effect on how we feel and so when you can cultivate uh, when you can um create your energy through the natural sources what we're doing is raising what the chinese would call qi so in our bodies we have a natural flow of energy and that energy runs through us but it runs through everything around us as well so and um, this natural energy is uh like an unlimited source of energy and there are ways in which you can cultivate chi so that you can bring more chi into your body so we're all born with a level of chi um you know that's already in us and then as we go through our lives we start to kind of use it up and we we start depleting it not entirely but it starts to decrease so when you can tap into the universal chi you can actually uh cultivate this unlimited source of energy which is a really exciting thing let's let's stay on this point for just a minute because i i think i get it at a level because you're not the first time this is not the first time i've had this discussion or i've heard this but there are some people that like i'm thinking about people who i know who are like what on earth is she talking about so let's let's pretend we're speaking to someone who one of those people completely together appear, at least appear to be completely together but they're like energy chi what are you talking about i've got energy i've got my coffee mug like let's go um how do we describe this to that person yeah um well we do all have energy um and when we're using external stimulants then what's happening is we're actually depleting the natural supply of energy in the body over time you might not feel that uh, immediately but after years and decades of that that will definitely have a cumulative effect um but if you if you were to place your hands parallel to each other and just begin to slowly very very slowly draw them in closer to closer and closer together you'll start to notice at some point a slight resistance, a, a, a sensation. It's almost, um, a, well, you could describe describe it to me. What do you feel? It, it, it's it, it, You could call it energy because you place that in my word, but what you ra- really feel is almost like, you almost feel like there's a, like a, a, a light ball. That's right. Exactly like a light that. ball. Yeah. That's exactly it. It could be like a pins and needles sensation. It could be like a cotton wool sensation. It could be like a slight pressure. It could be feeling like a bit of heat or cool. And that is chi, what you're feeling there. And you can actually stretch it and play with it. I discovered this when I was about five years old. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> this is amazing. And that's chi. And that's the energy. What you're feeling is the energy that is running from your hands, but is also in, in, in between your hands as 
as well. And that chi is running all the way through your system. It's like um, like a sort of super highway of um, energy that's running through all of your limbs, through all of your organs, through your, your whole system. And what we can do, which we've forgotten, many of us have forgotten about this, is we can actually amplify and raise that energy from inside of us rather than having to put things from outside of us in to stimulate us like the caffeine. And this is something that you help train people to recognize. Yeah, well, th- this, this is like the, un- this is like a bit of a secret really, <laughs> you know, um, but it's like a, you know, if you've got this, it's a bit of a secret weapon because you yeah. can begin to charge yourself up and amplify your energy. And yeah, and then, you know, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm tracking with you very well, and, and this yeah. is all making perfect sense. Let's click. Let's um, touch on the last one, number five, mm. which is that routine, the rhythm. You know, tell yeah. me a little bit about what you meant by that. Yeah, well, in in the womb, the thing that the baby hears is the steady, regular heartbeat of the mother. Um, so that's the the sensation that the baby experiences in the womb. So rhythm becomes. Um, a, a, an experience of the baby of balance and peace and calm. So any any uh, person will relate rhythm to this experience of balance and calm and, and kind of comfort, if you like. But in our everyday lives, we probably don't have much rhythm. <laughs> so right. what happens is the lack of rhythm is one of the factors that can um, turn on that paras- uh, the sympathetic nervous system that I talked about. So when you can um, uh, put more rhythm into your day, your body and your central nervous system start to naturally relax. They start; It starts to come into a place of uh, sort of softness rather than um, uh, defense, if you like. So openness and receptivity. Um, so regular rhythm actually enhances our performance. It actually helps us to be able on a day-to-day um, level be able to get more done to be able to feel um, calmer while we go about the the experience and for us to um, yeah be be more contented ultimately. I love it. So, Danielle, this all makes perfect sense to me. So, you, Danielle, you you designed this approach. You designed these steps. I did. Yes. Okay. Tell me how tell me how you got to this point. How did Danielle evolve to the person who created these steps, wrote the pause book, um, and and came up with this business around mm. helping people be better versions of themselves? Mm. Yeah, I mean uh, the the origins um, for me were that I I was born in a very small fishing village in the southwest of England, um, less than 3,000 people and about five hours away from London. So it was a very kind of idyllic remote location by the sea, lots of fields, lots of green, um, big kind of uh, coasts and cliffs and long beaches. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a a place of nature for me from the beginning. Um, But I I was also born to uh, teenage parents parents so um, they were 16 when they had me um, they had a couple more children and then got divorced 
Um, and I kind of threw myself into school, actually. I loved being at school. I was very academically bright. Um, I told anybody uh, from about the age of five that I was going to be an author when I grew up. Really? So that was kind of, you know, the the, the line. That I, and it was specific. I would be an author, not that I would write stories, but that I would be an author. author. So I was quite focused from the age of five. Um, and I came from this kind of very large extended family. So my, my grandmother had had... 13 brothers and sisters it was a very big family um and there were a lot of um uh challenges um so there were a lot of undiagnosed mental health issues there was a lot of alcoholism um schizophrenia uh, drug abuse um narcissism eating disorders self-esteem was you know very very low so it was a, a challenging you know it was idyllic from the point of view of nature and, you know, having a passion at school, but it was very challenging in the family home. And um, I think what happened was I developed a heightened sensitivity to my environment. So I had a very unpredictable um, home life. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you never, you never quite knew where you were treading, what was going to be wrong. There were, you know, a whole range of physical violence, psychological violence, you know, knives and that sort of thing. It was all a bit intense. And, and I just thought it was normal, to be honest. I had no idea that that wasn't what life was meant to be like. Um, and I, I kind of, jumped ship when I was 16, left home, a handful of high school qualifications and just set out to um, carve a life out for myself, I suppose. I just, you know, thought I'd better get on with it. Um, But what I hadn't appreciated then was I had a lot of healing to do as a result of those circumstances. So um, I had a a baseline of anxiety. Uh, I had my own uh, low self-esteem, my own um, undiagnosed eating disorders and things like that. So, you know, I had a lot to work through, which um, to be honest, even today, I'm still working that through, you know, it's, it's not something that you stop and that's the, jur- it. the journey never ends Yeah, <laughs> until, until your life ends. It, the journey yeah. is a continuous journey. I understand. Well, absolutely. And I am, um, and I think what it did was, you know, over time um, led me into some precarious places where I hadn't, healed things you know life starts to amplify where you need to put your focus so if something hasn't been attended to uh, the situations get bigger and bigger and bigger so for instance I found myself running a program in Sri Lanka where you know there were I was the only woman at an airport late at night and there were you know guys with knives and I was like what am I doing this is my work why am I here <laughs> you right, know, right. this is crazy and um, through to you know working really really hard so I had an addiction to working actually and I ended up in Singapore I was the managing director of a um, leadership development company and a coaching company so I had kind of advanced myself to you know for the outer world to a, a you know a high position if you like um I was in my uh, early 30s and I was having an amazing time like I was traveling around the region doing work I loved there was a big vision I was right behind it and I had a great social life amazing friends you know the expat life was really cool and and I enjoyed what I was doing and I loved the diversity of it um and then one day I um was going to run a program we'd flown lots of 
leaders in from all over the world. And it was a five day program. And on day two, I woke up and I couldn't get out of bed. Um, so here I am in my 30s, in my prime, cemented to the mattress and unable to move. And at that point, I thought, well, that's that's odd. I'm not sure what's happening. Can somebody else run the program? Right. And please, could you bring my laptop so I can carry on working? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I did. I was so addicted to work. I just carried on working until... A, oh. Uh, sorry, I thought I'd thought I'd exited then. No. Um, and and so one day my boss said to me, "Do you think you might need a holiday?" Which I thought was a really radical idea. And uh, and I thought, goodness, this business will fall apart without me. How can I possibly go on holiday? <laughs> of course, I am. Of course, you, it's together. all about you. Yep, it was. Yeah, had a few things to learn about my ego, Mitch, at that time. Um, and then eventually I did take a holiday, and I think that was the first moment that I thought something might be wrong was uh, having traveled around the region for a number of years every single week I suddenly realized the thought of getting on a plane was almost impossible and I couldn't decide where to go I just I was like everywhere felt too far for me to travel too much for me and I was like oh I can't actually cope here can I with another flight and that was you know a massive change to the rhythm that I'd had or to the life I'd had. Um, so I did eventually return back to the UK um, and I took, first of all, a week's holiday and that turned into a month off, which turned into two months off, which turned into three months off, which ultimately turned into a two-year road to recovery. Um, so I had no idea how unwell I was and just how burnt out I was. And actually, I didn't even know what burnout was. And I didn't know, you know, that what I was experiencing was that. Um, so, you know, I couldn't think clearly. Um, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't have any contact with people I couldn't cope with everyday tasks um yeah it was it was really tough um and really what I did for that three months was went on retreat <laughs> um unbeknown to me I didn't know that's what I was doing but I had a a period of three months where I had no contact with the outside world other than a therapist where I um, didn't work. I disconnected telephone, email, uh, internet, all of that went. Um, and I focused on sleeping and eating and trying to get well, basically. And the experience on reflection was incredible. <laughs> At the time, it was really tough. But afterwards, it became very transformational. It changed Every aspect of my life from that point on, everything shifted and moved in ways that, you know, could have taken me years to create those changes if I was planning them out. Right. And they started to happen as a result of me doing nothing. And that perplexed my mind. <laughs> well, it's, it's listening to you. It sounds like, you know, it's funny that you were telling me about your childhood and I kept thinking about educated by Tara Westover, which is a, a book about a, a similar childhood. And you, you, when you escaped that your first reaction, um, when you, when you found the work as an escape, that was your healed place. Your, your, you, you were healed in the form of work. Mm -hmm. 
of course, we now know that healing yourself through work isn't necessarily the most healthy way of healing yourself. And so what you've just described is your own learning and your own journey to realize that true healing comes first from pausing the first step in your process in the title of your book mm-hmm. and then and then starting to work on those inner things that that mindset that energy the things you were describing earlier that that is that those activities are what really lead to a healing place and it sounds like that you experienced that you experienced all of that firsthand yeah in in um quite an intense way so my extreme lifestyle needed an extreme recovery yep it was as simple as that well the, you know and frankly now so now you've reached a spot where your own journey your own learning is now been has now been put forward to others as a way w- that they can learn to get the most from themselves mm-hmm. that's why this is such a beautiful thing so um, as I get close to wrapping up our conversation, I, I want you to describe for the, for the listeners, like they want to learn more. They want to, first of all, you're captivating. I'm captivated by your story, by your approach. I think you're super cool. And I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking that. So how would people engage in learning more about pause and how could they engage more with you, your retreats, your coaching? How does how does this work? What's the next step? Yeah, um, and thank you for your feedback. I appreciate that. Um, so the book is a, a good start, if uh, particularly if somebody's thinking that they're on the brink of burnout and they've kind of resonated with some of what I was saying about the overwork. The book is a really nice place to begin. Um, So there are three different publications, Pause, Pause Every Day, and Sleep Meditations. So Pause is a a retreat in a book. Pause Every Day is is tools, a series of tools to help you to practice pausing. And Sleep Meditations is for anybody who wants to develop meditation practice and take that further. Um, Other ways to work with us. So we, um, we have a a masterclass that we run every Thursday, 5 p.m. UK. Um, so that happens, um, that'll be happening next week, where people can come and learn a little bit more about the practices that support pause. So I go into more detail about how do you create space and silence and compassion and some of the, the skills that are needed for you to be able to pause. Um, if you're a leader in an organization and you think your team need to pause, then we have things like a pause 30 day challenge that we run, which is what it says on the tin. We, we give people the opportunity to practice daily pausing for 30 days and to see what the benefit of that is for themselves. We have a longer pause program that we offer to teams as well, which is a virtual program, um, giving people more skills and more tools to help them pause. Um, coaching, people can just email me and get in touch if they're interested in, in coaching. Um, and the retreats, we're running in the UK at the moment. So uh, we have a two-day retreat that will um, be happening later this year called Performance Pause. And that's for business leaders who want to step away, have some space and go deeper. So that is great. I saw all of that information on your website, Mm pauseglobal.com. 
And we, you can even find the books and access the books through poiseglobal.com. The masterclass you mentioned, is that something that you register for a series of classes or is it just drop in on Thursdays? And is it done in person or, or virtual? Yeah, or it's both? virtual um, and it's just drop in on a Thursday. And um, yeah, actually, we haven't got that link on the website, but I'll uh, you do not. put that on the website so that it's there. Make it nice and easy. Nice and easy for everyone to yeah. go to poiseglobal.com and check this out. Danielle, this has been an absolute pleasure. Mm. Um, I am, and and I say this to a lot of my guests, but I don't, I don't always mean it as strongly as I mean this. Um, this is not the last conversation or interaction you and I will have had. This is mm. really amazing, mm. and a lot of what you said resonates with me, and so I'm sure it's going to resonate with my listeners, but it resonates with me. So um, I am very glad to have met you, and this is the start of a relationship. Yeah, I really have been um, delighted to have the conversation today. I can see how much it resonates for you. And thank you for the invitation. I think sometimes life just brings you to the people you need at the right time. So uh, thank you very much. Absolutely. Take care. So there you have it. Danielle North. First of all, she's an incredibly likable person. She's in England. If um. Well, I will. When I get over to England, I'd like to look her up and meet with her because she just seemed like the type of person I'd want to hang out with. Um, I'm actually considering doing a couple of sessions with her because I just think that she's got some great perspective. Um, The other thing I like is that she describes it in such a relatable way. In other words, it's not complicated. It's not... What's the word? It's not um, gimmicky. It's real and it's proven. And she's written books and she's has a thriving business. So Danielle isn't some fly-by-night kind of quirky person trying to make a career out of a cokey, um, gimmicky method. She's very thoughtful. She's done some research. She's done her homework. There's science behind what she's saying. And it's definitely beneficial. So the other thing I'd like to do is kind of shift gears from Danielle and remind everyone that the Meet Mediocrity podcast season three is coming to a close very soon. 25 episodes per season. This is number 23. I'm not quite sure exactly what I'm going to do for season four because I have a few ideas that of for mini seasons, things that might actually touch on subjects for a few for a few um, episodes in a row, um, but I haven't quite finalized that. So more to come on season four. Um, but I just wanted to give you a heads up that we're getting close to the wrap up of season three. If you're enjoying Meet Mediocrity Podcast, if you're enjoying the Meet Mediocrity Podcast, if you're enjoying um, the Meet Mediocrity YouTube channel, um, please continue to tell your friends. Please subscribe to our weekly newsletter by going to meetmediocrity.com, entering your email address, and you'll get a a weekly newsletter that's actually, in my humble opinion, quite well done. And... um, Yeah, so we are now officially in the summer months. Well, actually, this podcast is being um, published a couple of days before the official start of summer. Um, But enjoy those summer months. 
take a moment to pause. Take a moment to enjoy life. Take a moment to enjoy the increasing post-COVID freedom that we are enjoying. And stay positive and stay well. Take care, everyone. <laughs>